Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year-long crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible. We'll include excerpts from his spoken ministry, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies, you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the Scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. In Matthew chapter 17, when the Lord Jesus was being visibly glorified in front of Peter, James, and John, verse 3 says, And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, conversing with him. For that very monumental event, the Lord Jesus wanted these two representatives of the Old Testament dispensation of the law and the prophets to be present. But they are not through yet, because Revelation reveals that these two will appear again during the fearsome days of the Great Tribulation in Jerusalem. We will talk about these two witnesses and the events of the Great Tribulation once again today on this Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee. And Francis Ball has joined us for the program. Francis, welcome back to uh, give us a hand on this one. Thank you. I think this is one that uh, should interest a lot of people. I think so, too. Francis, these two witnesses appear in Revelation 11, the ones that we referred to before, as they also appeared in Matthew 17. And they have several names, and they appear in several references in the Bible. Briefly, what do we know about these two? Well, these two appear together in several places. For example, they appear in Zechariah, they appear in Matthew that you made reference to, and and now again in Revelation. And they are prominent because Moses was the giver of the law, and uh, Elijah was the main prophet throughout the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. And so you have the whole law and the prophets, which uh, the Lord referred to when he was talking about the Old Testament speaking of him. He just referred to the whole Old Testament as the Law and the Prophets. So that's these two. These are the two witnesses, very appropriate for this time. It reminds me in the Gospel of John, of course, it referring to the Old Testament Scriptures, he said, these are they that testify of me, another clear reference to the Law and the Prophets. So the representation by Moses and Elijah, as you said, is very fitting. Let's look at the verses, at least a few of them, that we're talking about today specifically in Revelation 11. It says, And there was given to me a reed like a rod, and someone said, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship in it. And the court which is outside the temple cast out and do not measure it, because it has been given to the Gentiles, and they will trample the holy city for forty-two months. And I will cause my two witnesses to prophesy a thousand two hundred and sixty days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands which stand before the Lord of the earth. Francis, let's find out about the two witnesses today. Here's Witness Lee. Chapter 10, plus the uh, first part of chapter 11, are the insertion between the uh, sixth trumpet and the seventh. In this insertion, we have a clear vision concerning Christ coming back to take possession of the earth. Then, in chapter 11, 
we have a vision which is so crucial for us to get into the prophecy of this book. This is a vision of the things during the Great Tribulation in the last three and a half years. Here in the vision, you have a measuring. The angel measured the temple and the altar, surely the incense altar, the golden altar. This must be the temple and the golden altar in the heavens. And this measuring indicates that the heavens is preserved from Satan's damage. In the three and a half years, the heaven will be preserved because in that period, Satan will be cast out of the heavens. And the heavens will have no space for Satan because what? Because the mantle will be there. The overcomers will be there. Wherever the overcomers are, there is always no space left to Satan. So, in chapter 12, you can see Satan will be what? Chastened out of heaven and cast into the earth. Now, because the man-child will be there, so Satan will be defeated, will be cast down to the earth, and heaven in those three and a half years will be fully preserved. There will be no trees of Satan. Satan and the Antichrist and the false prophets, this devilish trinity will be on this earth doing whatever they can to damage this earth. So God measured the heavens. That means God indicated he will keep the heavens. But here in this chapter it says clearly that the earthly temple. That is the earthly Jerusalem. The Jerusalem on earth by that time will be given to the Gentiles, to Antichrist, for him to destroy. Francis, we're going to come back and talk about this situation uh, taking place in Jerusalem once uh, Antichrist and Satan are there. But before that, there was a very good picture presented of what initiates this actual three-and-a-half-year period, which the Bible calls the Great Tribulation. Something or someone or someones are responsible for Satan being cast out of heaven to the earth. Let's talk about just what it is that causes his sudden removal from heaven after so long being there doing his evil. Well, we have to realize that this evil one had some access to heaven. But he could not remain there because now the overcomers among God's people have really fought their way up into heaven. By this time, they have cast out Satan from the heavenly because the man-child will be raptured to heaven. There will no longer be any place for him. Hmm. I hope this is clear because this is a glorious fact, glorious for heaven, but it does cast Satan out to the earth. We're going to see lots happens on the earth once he's cast out of heaven. But the reason he's not in heaven any longer is because the overcomers among God's people have fought up and cast him out. 
Francis, the situation that you alluded to on the earth now is one that is uh, absent glory, at least during this time. We have seen in previous messages the Antichrist, who had been killed, is uh, resuscitated and drawn up out of the abyss, and then down from above, here comes Satan, as he's now been cast out of heaven. So the situation on the earth becomes very fierce during this period. Uh, And it's the time when these two witnesses appear. We read earlier the reference in Revelation 11 about these two witnesses. Let's go to Zechariah. We referred to these verses a while ago, and we're going to hear Witness Lee talk about them in this next section. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 2 says, And he said to me, What do you see? And I said, I see and behold a lampstand, also two olive trees by it, one on the right side of the bowl and the other on its left side. Then I answered and said to him, What are these two olive trees on the right of the lampstand and on its left? And I answered the second time and said to him, What are the two olive branches which are beside the two golden pipes which empty the golden oil from themselves? Then he said, These are the two anointed ones who are standing by the Lord of the whole earth. Here's Witness Lee. Now we come to the testimony of the two witnesses. The uh, law of the first part of the Old Testament was given through Moses. And the second part of the uh, Old Testament uh, was written by the prophets. And Elijah in the Bible was considered as the leading one among the prophets. So these are the two witnesses. The whole Old Testament are composed with their testimonies. And then in Zechariah, they are called the two lampstands. And they are also called the two sons of oil. Then they are called what? They are called the two olive trees. Then later on, they are also mentioned in Matthew 17 on the Mount of Transfiguration. Now the last time they are mentioned here in Revelation 11. Okay, these two witnesses are the two olive trees, the two lampstands, and the two sons of oil standing before the Lord of the earth. They are filled with the Spirit. They have a lot. Brother Lee, one of his messages did say probably the five foolish virgins went to these two olive trees, sins of oil, to get the extra portion of the oil, to buy the oil. And uh, you all have to realize, during the Great Tribulation, the persecution was severe and fierce. Probably no one can stand it. But God sent Moses and Elijah back full of the Spirit, to what? To strengthen those saints who will be left in the Great Tribulation. And also to strengthen the Jews. In the Great Tribulation, the Antichrist will force Jews to give up their religion, to give up their worship of God, and these two witnesses will strengthen them. If you read chapter 14, you can see right after the rapture of the first fruits, there was the persecution of the Antichrist forcing people to worship the beast. Then 
you have two witnesses on this earth strengthening God's people and at the same time in chapter 14 you have an angel preaching the gospel not the gospel of grace or the gospel of life or the kingdom but the eternal gospel telling people you have to fear God that means what? you shouldn't worship this beast so in that time there will be two kinds of strengthening one is the two witnesses praising and the other is an angel coming to praise the eternal gospel when we will get on there we will see the eternal gospel is different from today's gospel of grace and life Francis, there is some speculation among interpreters of Revelation as to just who these two witnesses spoken of in Revelation will be. But it seems very clear, listening to Witness Lee, that if you put these sections together, Zechariah, Matthew 17, and now Revelation 11, these two must be Moses and Elijah. What do we know about the strengthening that is spoken of here in their reference? Well, it seems uh, to me, Chris, that the strengthening here is because these two are really, you might say, they embody what God has to say for a long, long time. Because Moses represents the law and Elijah represents the prophets, it's pretty much the entire Old Testament. Now they're on the scene again. This time they're called the sons of oil. That means they're full of the Spirit. And they've been brought up at this time because uh, the need for Israel is to have some strengthening. And these are the two who can give them the strengthening because they're lampstands. You know, during the church age, uh, the churches are called the lampstands. But during this last three and a half years, these two are standing as a lampstand. This is very encouraging and enlightening for that time. But this enemy... Brother Lee called the devilish trinity. Right. They are really uh, uh, doing all they can to uh, cause torment and uh, suffering and persecution and trying to get the Jewish people not to worship God. So these two come on the scene to be their strengthening. But not only that, from the air comes another angel announcing the gospel, what's called the eternal gospel. And the content of the eternal gospel is just fear God, right? worship God, but don't worship the Antichrist. He's demanding to be worshiped, but this angel is announcing, strengthening the people. Don't listen to him and don't worship him, but fear God and worship God. And then the two witnesses are there with a full supply, as you said, of the spirit, of the divine oil, which will be a very precious cargo in those days. Very much so. Probably uh, those uh, five virgins that needed extra oil that are mentioned in Matthew 25 will be coming to them to get their oil. Now, there was a quick reference there uh, to that point, and I'm glad you brought it up because for those who weren't with us in uh, Matthew, we've got just a second, Francis. Maybe put that into context for them. Well, you know, there's the ten virgins that are spoken of in uh, Matthew chapter 25. Five are wise and five are foolish. If it means that five are prepared and five are unprepared. Five have oil in their vessels, and oil, of course, is a reference to the Spirit. Now, these two witnesses are coming full of oil and supplying oil. So those foolish virgins were told to go buy oil. So I think it must be 
that this is where they went to buy the oil during this three and a half years. Yeah, of course, as Witness Lee pointed out, that was Watchman Nee's interpretation when he came to this portion in Revelation. And, uh, of course, Witness Lee was very quick to want to include it in his own as he did the life study. Well, the fate, at least seemingly, for these two witnesses does not appear to be that good, but it gets encouraging. Let's look at these verses uh, as they continue in chapter 11. And when they have completed their testimony... The beast who comes up out of the abyss will make war with them and will overcome them and kill them. And their corpses will be on the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also their Lord was crucified. And those of the peoples and tribes and tongues and nations see their corpses for three and a half days, and they will not allow their corpses to be placed in a tomb. And those who dwell on the earth rejoice over them and make merry, And they will send gifts to one another, because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. And after the three and a half days, the breath of life out of God entered into them, and they stood on their feet, and great fear fell upon those beholding them. And they heard a loud voice out of heaven saying to them, Come up here. And they went up into heaven in the cloud, and their enemies beheld them. Francis, indescribable events. I should say so, my. So marvelous that these things could open up some uh, larger amount of understanding than is commonly known among Christians. Let's go back to Witness Lee. At the end of the Great Tribulation, those two witnesses were killed physically, and they were watching over their corpses for three and a half days. All of a sudden, they were resurrected. Will not that be the greatest miracle? They will be raptured to the heavens. That will happen in the so-called holy city, could go Jerusalem. But in this chapter, it doesn't call the holy city Jerusalem. It calls what Sodom and Egypt. In 1948, the nation of Israel was reformed. But the Jews went back to their father's land, not in belief, but in unbelief. And today, I tell you, the nation of Israel, most worldly. And eventually, they will be as sinful as Sodom. Even at the end of the three and a half years, in the eyes of God, Jerusalem will be like Sodom, sinful. And it will be like Egypt, worldly. They took the lead to be worldly. This is the situation. I don't like to say too much. I just point out to you, in this section of the word, there are some little show windows. You can look into what will be the situation at the end of this age among the Jews. Terrible. This is why such a persecution will be there. You wait. You just wait and read the newspaper. Things will be happening again and again and again and again and again around that little land, Palestine, around that little holy land. I have the full assurance, regards how much UN would do against Israel, regards how many things Arabs will do uh, trying to destroy the nation of Israel, they could never make it. The Lord is there. But this doesn't mean the Jews today are really for the Lord. No. They are going to be sinful. They are going to be worldly. 
until one day God says, I will give you up. I measure the heaven, but I will lift out Jerusalem into the hand of the Antichrist. And Antichrist will do everything to damage Jerusalem even more than what Titus did. And this persecution will bring the unbelieving Jews to a point to look to the one whom they pierced. This is according to Zechariah 12. At that time, at that very juncture, Christ came. They will all see, all the tribes on that holy land will see the very Redeemer whom they pierced 2,000 years ago. They will all repent to him and they will all weep to him in Zechariah chapter 12. But sorry to say that will be a little too late. Too many will be killed, slaughtered by the Antichrist. This is the prophecy I feel quite hurt about such a poor situation with the Jewish people. But what can we do? Or what can we say? We must pray for them and get ourselves prepared for that day that the Lord may take us away. Francis, we must pray for them. I have the feeling we must pray for one another that we would be ready so that we would be taken away, as he said. Probably today on this earth, the nation of Israel has no greater friends than the genuine born-again believers. I know many Christians pray much for Israel, yet we really have to be faithful to speak the truth that's in God's word. There is a period of time coming that will be intensely fearful in Israel, isn't there? Yes, there is, and it is sobering, very much so and causes our hearts to ache for them and for ourselves too. The last three and a half years of this age will be a war between rebellious mankind under the leadership of this beast, that beast, the man of sin, Mm. and the creator. There is a very severe time coming for the Jewish people. But I'd like to say, Chris, in closing this program, that uh, there's no difference between Jew and Gentile in this age. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus now will be saved. Amen. So we just urge those, whatever their background may be, that they would call on the name of the Lord and know God's salvation in this age at this time before the end of this age when all these severe things are coming. Brother Francis, you know, by the Lord's mercy, we are in a time when there still is time, as you just pointed out. Of course, it's very easy. We all have friends. We may have family members, people we're very close to, and we know that they go along day by day saying, well, tomorrow or next month or next year. But there will come a time when there is no more time. That's right. But today, it is still day, and we need to encourage all, as you said, who are listening, not to delay. That's right. We can still preach the gospel of grace. Thank you, Brother Francis. Amen. You can contact us for that chart or all of the other materials that we have that are tremendous references as we are engaged in the midst of now our life study of Revelation. Our toll-free number for you to call us is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. You can write to us, Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. Or send email to us to radio at lsm.org. And please... Try to stay with us as we continue on this tremendous life study of Revelation. For Francis Ball today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening.
Are you enjoying this program online or on a smartphone right now? Did you know there's much more from Living Stream Ministry that you can carry with you? Go to lsm.org ePublications to discover all that we have available for your tablet, e-reader, or smartphone. We support Kindle, Nook, iSilo, and ePub formats, which means you can read this ministry on any PC, Mac, Android, Palm, Blackberry, Sony, or Linux device. Everything from the recovery version of the Bible to the complete life study messages and a vast array of other titles by Witness Lee and Watchman Nee are now just a touch away. The Word of God is rich and weighty, but now you can take it with you wherever you go. Again, the website, lsm.org slash ePublications. Thanks for listening today. What is the church? The church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all in all. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 23. The body of Christ is not an organization, but an organism, constituted of all the regenerated believers for the expression and activities of the head. The body of Christ is the issue of the incarnated, crucified, resurrected, and ascended Christ, who has come into the church. By means of the ascended Christ's heavenly transmission, we are made one with him, and thus his body is produced. Scripture, Ephesians 1.23, and commentary from the New Testament Recovery Version published by Living Stream Ministry. For more information, visit lsm.org.